Praise be Jesus Christ. Uh, friends, uh, we have just heard the words of uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, this great song right here to conclude our sermon series on Mary, the mother of the Lord. And it's a song that we, are, we commonly refer to as the Magnificat. You know, normally sometimes when we sing hymns, we don't really pay attention to the words. But if you pay attention to the words of this hymn, boy, I'll tell you, it's kind of got some unsettling lines in it, doesn't it? We'll talk about those. Uh, what I thought we would do this morning is I would fl- reflect on a couple of lines with you and then just get out of the way because this is a song. It's not meant to be thrummed on in a sermon. Let's talk, talk, talk. It's meant to be joyful music. Uh, let's... Uh, Let's first just reflect uh, for a moment on the word magnificat itself. The word magnificat is a Latin word, and it simply means praise. Magnificat, praise. So Mary, if you've been following us the last couple of weeks, she is full of the divine life. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. Christ is dwelling within her, and now she is overflowing, and she's now erupting into praise, praise of the Lord, Of course, this is how it works. I mean, once you are full of the Holy Spirit, you ever had those moments in your life where you're just filled with the Holy Spirit, you you get to a point where you just cannot contain your desire to praise the Lord. And so when we talk about praise, praise is simply acknowledging that God is God and I am not. I've told other people I've defined praise like this, especially nowadays, That praise is an act of resistance against a culture of autonomy where everybody is pretty much in it for themselves. But see, when you praise the Lord, when you come to the house of God and you praise the Lord, what do you say? You're saying that the direction of my life is not this way. The direction of my life, the aim of my life is toward heaven. It is toward God. So, Praise, another way to think of it, think of praise as the primary language of heaven. Like all the angels, all the faithful departed in heaven, they all come from different places, but they all speak the same language of praise. And so I was thinking about this, and this brings me to a point, I don't mean to sound like a Debbie Downer on this point, but I was thinking about this, and I'm not the only one. It's like, you know, everybody says, oh, I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven when I die. You know, it was like going up to the spirit of the sky. You know, I'm going to go when I die. Oh, good, good. We want to go to heaven. I I sometimes wonder, though, uh, for some people, if heaven's really going to feel like heaven. Have you ever been uh, in a situation where you were plopped into a culture or an environment where you really didn't speak the language? You ever experienced that before? You just didn't really know what was going on and... You know, when you're in that kind of environment, you know, you you feel uncomfortable. It doesn't feel like home at all. And I I just think there are going to be some people that are going to go to heaven, and they have never learned how to speak the language of praise, and they're going to have all this praise going on, and they're going to feel like, what's going on? I don't know what's going on here, and it's not going to feel like home at all. And, And seriously, everybody, one of the reasons we should aspire to come to worship the Lord every Sunday morning is because here we are trying to learn to speak the language of praise, which is the primary language of heaven. Because if we do not know how to praise the Lord in this life, and we all have different expressions, we all have different ways of doing this, but if we don't know how to praise the Lord in this life, 
You know what we're going to be like? We're going to be like the elder son of the father in, in Jesus' parable, the prodigal son. You ought to go look at that, Luke 15. You know that parable where the father's throwing this great party, it's all festive, and his older son's just in the corner going, <clears throat> but that's not how we want heaven to be like. Like, we want to speak the language. You've got to learn how to praise the Lord because that's what's going to be heaven. That's what's going to happen. All right. So Mary is praising the Lord. Magnificat. Mary then sings, my soul magnifies the Lord. Mary, Mary's soul is becoming magnified. It is becoming enlarged. Now, this reminds me of a sermon that I preached, gosh, right when I first started here. I know you remember all my sermons. I don't have to tell you what I preach, but for those of you who weren't here, I, uh, I remember I, I preached a, a sermon in which I talked about, according to Christian tradition, there are two kinds of souls. We could say there are two kinds of Christians. I'm simplifying this. You might remember this. On the one hand, you have the magnanimous soul, the magnified soul, and then you have the pusillanimous. Well, that's a 50-cent word. You have the pusillanimous or the very small, tiny, contracted soul. So, you, you know, two types of Christians. There's the magnanimous soul, and then there's the tiny, small soul. What's the difference? What's the difference? Well, those who are possessed of a small soul, they're Christians who just kind of, they're drawn in on themselves. They they, they, they are afraid of, of, of taking risks for God. Uh, they fear failure, but they also fear success. And, and they're just confined within themselves. That's the, that's the small soul. And in many ways, all of us have to fight this. I, mean, I've, 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 I know what that feels like. But then you've got the magnanimous, the, the large soul, and the magnanimous-souled person is someone who really desires greatness. Like who really desires to do great things for God. Every day, I want to do something great for the Lord. They don't have those fears of success. They don't have fears of failure for the Lord. So a, a large-souled person is, is someone or a group of people or people who, who take the abilities that God has given them. They take their, their gifts that God has given them. And what they want to do with the talents that God has given them. They, they, they just want to go all the way with them. I would just exhaust them. Be as excellent at these gifts, at these abilities that I can possibly be so that God will be glorified in the end. So it's not arrogant. I want, I want God to be glorified. I want to be great. And I've said this before to you. Like God really has created us for greatness. I mean, to do great things for the Lord. We've got to desire this. The, the New Testament says that each one of us, you and me, we all have these gifts and abilities given to us by the Holy Spirit. You know, and this morning might be a good time to just reflect, are you and I, are we taking what God has given us and are we desiring to go just to the full extent, to be excellent, to be great, to do great things for God? So those possessed of the small, pusillanimous soul, they, they look at themselves and say, nope, it's impossible, I can't do any of that. But those with a magnanimous soul, they look at themselves and say, yep, nope, I can't do that either. But with God, all things are possible. 
So, so Mary is someone who has this magnanimous, large soul, great things for God. Mary then sings what? She says, surely all generations will call me blessed. Blessed. Let's think about that word for a minute, blessed. That word blessed for us means something different than it did when Mary was saying it. Blessed in the New Testament in the Bible is something radically different. I mean, most of us think blessed. What is blessed? We're blessed if I got a new toy, it's shiny, or uh, I got some money, or you know, you, you take a selfie of yourself at a pool at some resort at the beach, you know, I'm blessed. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not knocking that at all. But, but to be blessed, to be someone blessed in the New Testament, in the Gospels, according to Jesus, that's something different altogether. What was Jesus' definition of someone blessed? We're actually going to do a, a sermon series on this. Jesus' definition of a blessed person. You find it in what's called his Beatitudes. Go home and read this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Just read the first 13 verses. Who's blessed? In the eyes of Jesus. Well, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who weep. Blessed are the merciful, the meek. Blessed are those who suffer persecution because of Christ. Those are the people who are blessed. Now, I was thinking, here's a homework assignment for you. Feel free to email me if you've got some thoughts on this. Because I think you can link Mary the mother of our Lord, to every one of Jesus' Beatitudes. Every one of them, if you think about it. It's like Mary was poor in spirit. That's why she was filled with grace. Like she, she was pure of heart. She was meek. Uh, she was a mourner. She wept, especially at the foot of the cross. And, and, and Mary, if you think about it, I believe that she was the first person to be persecuted for the sake of her son, if you consider the circumstances of her pregnancy, I mean, can you imagine the scandal and the stigma and the ridicule that she would have borne because she bore within herself the one who would become the son who was, uh, the son of God? So that's what blessed is. That's blessed, according to Jesus. Someone blessed, last thing I'll say about this, some, to be blessed in the eyes of Jesus is simply to be someone who is fully, fully invested in doing the will of God, regardless of what the cost might be. See, that's what we should aspire to be. Let's be blessed. Let's be fully invested in doing whatever it is the will of God is calling us to be. All people will call me blessed. You know, interesting, we're fulfilling that prophecy even this morning. All right, then she says what? She shifts gears and says, God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he has sent away empty. Woo! Man! You know, from Gastonia, where I'm from, we call those fighting words, you know? <laughs> Let's think very quickly about that first line. He's cast the mighty from their thrones. The powerful have been dethroned. Um, I said this in the last service. You know, we've come to accept that politics and religion should be separate from one another. And already you're getting nervous just by me saying that. <laughs> but we, we have just got to come to terms, everybody. That's just false. Uh, one example. You know, we're, we're celebrating, getting ready to celebrate Christmas. Christ is born today. Christ is born today. Well, if you read the gospel, what happens when that is announced? Well, King Herod goes on the defensive. 
You know, uh, we say the Apostles' Creed, we're getting ready to do that. We had that line where we say, you know, he was raised and he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Guys, that's not spiritual language. That's throne talk. That's who sits on the throne. And what we believe as Christians is that Jesus Christ really is above all principalities, all authorities on earth, all powers, and that everybody that's in authority are ultimately answerable to him. So he did cast the mighty from their thrones just in a different way, without violence. But let's think about that last line, and I'll I'll start to wrap things up here. Let's think about this line Mary says. She says, God has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he has sent away empty. Now, if you're rich like me, these words sound threatening, don't they? Ooh. Now, let's think about hunger. Hunger. There's a physical kind of hunger. Jesus would go about in his ministry. He would actually feed the hungry. He would break bread with them. Um, he calls us to, to share, to feed the hungry. Uh, a few weeks ago, was it the Sunday before Thanksgiving? We had the harvest procession. We had all this food. I mean, isn't it beautiful to think about that Mary's words here, we are still fulfilling what she says. We're still filling the hungry with good things. It's a physical hunger. But Jesus also spoke about another kind of hunger. And he called it the hunger for righteousness. You know, this hunger for God. And what God promises is that God will always satisfy the hungry heart. The heart that truly hungers for God. See, think about riches. Riches. You know, when you've got riches, when you've got wealth, what does it do? It makes you hungry for the wrong things. Oh, now I've, I've got riches and wealth. I'm hungry for some pleasure. I'm hungry for some luxuries. Or we want to get, we're hungry for security. I need some security. I need to protect my, my assets. So how are we going to do this? We become hungry for these things. And riches, if you're not careful, if you don't watch them, what they will do is they will make you hungry and they will make you hungry for empty calories. You know, empty calorie stuff. I mean, so we, we fill our lives. We just fill our lives over and over with the things that money can buy. And you know and I know, we are not any more satisfied than when we first began. But yet we always think, well, I'll be the exception to the rule. I'll be satisfied with all this stuff. It never happens. And it never will. We're, and we feel emptier. <laughs> we don't feel fuller. We actually feel emptier. And life just seems to be meaningless with all the pleasures. And that's all it is, just nonstop, nonstop. And... You know, but I think about the rich young man. You know that story of the rich young man who comes to Jesus. He says to the Lord, you know, I want to I inherit eternal life. What can I do to inherit eternal life? And then eventually Jesus says, man, you've, you've got so much stuff and possessions and wealth. He says, why don't you give away your possessions, sell them, give the money to the poor, and then come follow me. And, and you remember how the rich man responded? He walked away how, everybody? He walked away sad, it says. Now, he walked away still rich. Went right back to his riches, but he actually walked away empty. Jesus sent him away empty. It came to pass. And the reason he went back empty is because he preferred to hold on to his riches and his stuff, preferring all of that instead of a transformative relationship with Jesus Christ, and now the rich man is dead. And you know what? 
What happened to his riches? And we do this. Mary sings, the rich God has sent away empty. I, I will tell you this and I'll be done. I am beginning to think of that line as some really good news. Because I'm going to tell you, I'm a rich man. And I want to be emptied in many ways. I want to be emptied of my anxieties. I want to be emptied of my worries. I want to be emptied with this idea that I'm in control of my own life. I mean, when you, when you got riches, when you're rich, you think you can control all the outcomes in your life. <laughs> no. I want to be emptied of that. You know, I want to be emptied of, of all of my desires for just dumb, trivial things that I buy, and then I'm going to be putting it in a yard sale two years from now. I mean, I, I want to be emptied of all of that. Why? 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 So that I can be emptied enough to be filled with the grace of God. That's what I want. You know what? Maybe, maybe what we should do this morning as we come to this table in a few minutes, we, I want, can you come hungry today? I mean, hungry for God. And maybe the best thing we can pray for is we come to this table and say, Lord, I'm hungry for you, and will you send me away empty? Will you send me away empty so, so that I can learn the language of heaven, so that I can really, my life can be about your praise, so I can, I can have a magnanimous soul that desires to do great things for you. I'm full of the wrong things in my life, and that's why God can't get in. I think we need to pray to be empty today, and if you can be serious about that with me, we'll walk away empty, yes, but I think we'll walk away filled with the riches of the grace of God. It's really good news. Praise be Jesus Christ.